Thank you for choosing this podcast from the Calling Community Church. As a Christ-centered community, our mission is to create space for all people to experience the compassionate love of the Father and the calling He has for their life. Please enjoy the message today recorded live inside the Wilson Arts Auditorium at Platte County High School in Platte City, Missouri. So, Father, we just thank you. Thank you for the, the, the kids that, that you bring to us. And, and um, just thank you for your goodness and, and, and your gentleness and just all the fruits that you provide us. And, and uh, just pray, Lord, that you speak through me and uh, just help us learn together as uh, we just allow your Holy Spirit to just to be active in this place. And, and I just pray, Lord, that hearts would be softened and changed and, and that the, the hearts would come to you and... and um, in you alone. So this is what I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so we, we're continuing the sermon series, um, The Names of God, uh, which is also characteristic, characteristics of God. And so t- today I've been assigned I'm a, to speak about um, God's name, Jehovah Jireh. It's also can be pronounced as Yahweh Yaira, and uh, this comes from Galatians uh, chapter twenty-two, or sorry, Genesis chapter twenty-two, the other G. And uh, so we're going to read this. We're going to read this story together, and then uh, yeah, we'll dive into the sermon. So, all right, Genesis chapter twenty-two. So in my Bible, it's, it's, it's labeled or it's titled as Abraham's faith tested. Sometime later, God tested Abraham's faith. Abraham, God called. Yes, he replied, here I am. Take your son, your only son, yes, Isaac, whom you love so much, and go to the land of Moriah. Go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will show you. The next morning, Abraham got up early. He saddled his donkey and took two of his servants with him, along with his son Isaac. Then he chopped wood for a fire for a burnt offering and set out for the the place God had told him about. On the third day of their journey, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. Stay here with the donkey, Abraham told his servants. The boy and I will travel a little further. We will worship there, and then we will come right back. So Abraham placed the wood for the burnt offering on Isaac's shoulders while he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them walked on together, Isaac turned to Abraham and said, Father, or said, said Father, he questioned him. Yes, my son, Abraham replied. We have the fire and the wood, the boy said, but where is the sheep for the burnt offering? God will provide a sheep for the burnt offering, my son, Abraham answered. And they both walked on together. When they arrived at the place where God had told him to go, Abraham built an altar and arranged the wood on it. Then he tied his son, Isaac, and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. And Abraham picked up the knife to kill his son as a sacrifice. At that moment... The angel of the Lord called to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. Yes, Abraham replied, here I am. Don't lay a hand on the boy, the angel said. Do not hurt him in any way. 
For now I know that you truly fear God. You have not withheld from me even your son, your only son. Then Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught by its horns in a thicket. So he took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering in place of his son. Abraham named the place Jehovah-Jireh, which means the Lord will provide. To this day, people still use the name as a proverb. On the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. All right. So, I like definitions. I think it can make things clear. We all know what provider means, but I thought I would, would share with you the definition anyways. And I, found, and I thought this was interesting. So Google's definition of provider is a person or thing that provides something. Uh, is there any English teachers in here? You're not supposed to use a definition in a definition, are you? No, you're not. So I made up my own definition. A, a person or thing that gives something. So what are some thoughts that, and this is going to be interactive right here, okay? So what are some thoughts that come to your mind when you think of provider? Just shout it out. What is it? Parents, yes. What else? What else comes to your mind when you think of provider? Cherubs? Charity, good. Sacrifice. What else? What is it? Responsibility, yeah. What else? What, what, what do you think about when you think of um, like being provided something? Like what are some things that you think about of being provided to you? Gratefulness. What else? Come on. I, I, love. I hear blessings. Yeah. Man, that, those are good church answers. <laughs> Finances. Yeah. All right. I'm going to show you how embarrassed I am. Because initially, when I, um, when I knew I was going to speak about this, my mind went to how the Lord provides all the things we need. But then my, and when I thought of that, I thought of our jobs, uh, our house, cars, money for entertainment, and just stuff. And I think that, that you know, being in the society that, we're, that we live in, such a consumer-driven society, that that's probably embedded in, in a lot of our minds. But somewhere along those lines, I was prompted to think of, uh, of our greatest gift that was provided from God. And it made me think about this last summer in VBS, we were teaching the, get, the kids about our greatest gift, and that's Jesus. And when I thought about Jesus, I thought about what he has provided us through his sacrifice you know, if you accept Jesus as your Savior, he, he provides us eternal life, and it starts right now. Or it starts the moment that you, you accept him as your Savior. He also provides us this, right? It's his word. 
And it's the guidance that we talked about with the kids here. When we, when we live in this word daily and we learn from it and it guides us, it, it produces fruit. He provides us fruit through the Holy Spirit. So in, in John chapter 14, 15 through 17, Jesus tells his disciples, If you love me and you obey my commandments, then I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. He said, the, he said that God the Father will give us an advocate. So here's another definition for you, okay? As, as a noun, an advocate is a person who represents another person's interests, like a lawyer does. In fact, um, the word comes from the courtroom, and it's, uh, it actually comes from a, the Latin word advocare, which means to add a voice. So to advocate is to add a voice of support to a cause or person. For example, as a firefighter and paramedic and now as a pastor, I'm called to be an advocate to whoever I serve. My role as an advocate is to provide whatever means necessary to have a positive effect and hopefully a positive outcome for my patients for the folks that are affected by fire or, or disasters and the members of our church community. So last night I worked at the fire station and I got off this morning at 8 o'clock, which is actually 9 o'clock, right? But it was actually 8 o'clock. I don't know. This whole change in time thing messes me up. But um, I worked last night and it really it was nothing exciting. But we ran three calls to the same place for, for a fire alarm. It was a false alarm every time. It was super annoying. And it was super annoying for the people who were living at their residence because they got woken up three times for no reason. And so I was trying to do my best to contact the alarm company so they could fix this problem so these people could get some rest. And so I could get some rest too. And uh, so that was me being an advocate for not only the, the residents, but also for um, my crew and, um, and just to provide safety so their fire alarm would work correctly in case they were to need it. So I was being an advocate, okay? So Jesus speaks again of the, of the advocate in John fourteen twenty six. He says, but when the Father sends the Advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I have told you. So what he is saying here is that the Holy Spirit will provide whatever means necessary to provide a positive outcome through teaching us and reminding us of what Jesus has taught us. Sometimes that outcome isn't really what we expected or desired. But when we're able to keep our faith in God, the Creator, Jehovah Jireh, then we will be able to keep our eyes opened to seeing exactly what exactly He is doing. And it's definitely not an easy thing to do. 
And as humans, we constantly fail at seeing the big picture. Can I get an amen? So in John 15, Jesus was giving a warning to his disciples about being his followers and how the hatred of the world would have to... uh, I'm sorry. He was giving them a warning to his followers and, and he was preparing them to uh, be prepared for the hatred that the, that the world would have for them because they followed him. And he tells them in verse 26 of John 15, again, he tells them, but I will send you the advocate. And some versions will say a counselor or comforter or encourager. And he says that through the spirit of truth, he will come to you from the Father and will testify all about me. So the spirit of truth is his Holy Spirit. In John 16, Jesus says, I have told you these things so that you won't abandon your faith. So Jesus recognizes that our human abilities is limited in understanding the complexity of who he is. It's through the workings of the Holy Spirit that over time he will give us metered doses of exactly how much we need to further our our understanding of Jesus and his grace and his mercy through his word. I think if he, if he gave us all this at the same time, our minds would be blown. Like, we wouldn't be able to handle it, you know? And so that's why it's important to make time daily to read and study the Bible. As we know to be true, and as we know to be his word, and we need to keep that relationship fresh with him through prayer. By doing these things, it brings us in line with God. And it provides us daily guidance to do his will through the promptings of the Holy Spirit. One more time, Jesus reaffirms his message and tells um, of the work of the Holy Spirit. So, John chapter 16, 5 through 15, we're going to read this. This is titled, The Work of the Holy Spirit. He says, but now I am going away to the one who sent me. And not one of you is asking where I am going. Instead, you grieve because of what I have told you. But in fact, it is best for you that I go away, because if I don't, the advocate won't come. If I do go away, then I will send him you. And when he comes, he will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. The world's sin is that it refuses to believe in me. Righteousness is available because I go to the Father, and you will see me no more. Judgment will come because the the ruler of this world has already been judged. There is so much more I want to tell you, but you can't, can't bear it right now. When the Spirit of the truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own, but will tell you what he has heard. He will tell you about the, the future. He will bring me glory by telling you whatever he, rece- whatever he receives from me. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will tell you whatever he receives from me. So the advocate or the spirit of truth that Jesus speaks of, it's, mis- it, it's just mysterious to our human minds. I think the more that we, that we stay in line with God, I know I know that the more we stay in line with God, and the more 
we spend time with him and we, and we make time for him in the mornings and, or whenever that special time is with you and with God, he's going to reveal things. And there's, only way, and there's only one way for him to reveal those things, and it's through the Holy Spirit. I'm sure a lot of you have experienced the Holy Spirit. Some of you may have not have experienced the Holy Spirit. But it truly is, it's a mysterious thing that when it happens, it's like there's only one way that it can happen, and that's through God, our Father. So we typically, typically know the Advocate as the Holy Spirit, and I feel that today's church in religion in, in, in general doesn't teach the Holy Spirit enough. So, this morning, this is what I want, I want you all to take away from, okay? Is that how we can rely on the Holy Spirit through being in the Word. And it's such a simple message, right? But how often do you try to get in the Word and something else distracts you? You get on your phone, you start flipping through Facebook, and then the hour that you wanted to give to God is gone, you know? Or how many times did you want to get up in the morning early to spend time with God and you hit snooze? I'm really good at that. But God, he'll reward us. When we meet with him, he will reward us. And it sets your day up for the good. So through these scriptures, Jesus tells us multiple times that he will send us the advocate. Parents, when we are wanting to pass along important information, we repeat ourselves to our kids, right? So what's, what's Jesus doing here? I mean, he told us multiple times that he's going to send us his advocate. I would say it's probably a pretty important message. <clears throat> so he provides us his spirits so that we will be encouraged to continue in our faith and to do his good works through the Holy Spirit's guidance and promptings. So, as a Christ-following church, we believe that this to be true, and it can be found in our belief statements. It says, so our belief statement in regards to the Holy Spirit says, the Holy Spirit has come to glorify Christ and to apply the saving work of Christ to our hearts. He convicts us of sin and draws us to the Savior. Indwelling our hearts, he gives new life to us, empowers and gives us spiritual gifts for service as the body of Christ. He instructs and guides us into all truth and seals us for the day of redemption. You see, the Lord has provided us his spirit to indwell in us. The only way that we can, uh, the only way that we can see this happen is to be born again. And that's by accepting Jesus as our Lord and Savior. And we, when we do that, we're convicted to repent of our sins, and then, in turn, we're baptized by the Holy Spirit. So this is different from many religions um, that, we, that, that others believe in. And some of those religions, I was talking to a, a guy yesterday I was working with, I was working on a different crew, um, but I love when that happens because I know it's a different opportunity to, to share Jesus. And um, 
And so we were talking, and, and, and um, he was just saying, you know, how can you say that your God is like the true God, like the only God? Out of all the religions in the world, how can you say that? I was like, well, because I believe that the Bible to be true. Like, I, I, I read it, it makes sense to me. Like, it, there's no doubt in my mind that it is true. And he's like, well, what about the Muslims? You know, how can you say that, that if they don't believe in Jesus that they're going to hell? I was like, because it says it in the Bible. You know, it's not me making it up. I'm not making this stuff up. It says it in the Bible. And I came across a, um, an article that was, um, it was by a, an apologetic. I can't remember who it was by. Um, but it was talking, the comparison between the God of um, the Muslims, Allah, and the God of Christianity, our triune God. And some people think that that can be the same God. And it went into talking about the characteristics of the, of the Muslim God and of our God. Well, the Muslim God, um, if the Muslims believe that if you do enough good works, you hope that Allah accepts those good works and then he'll give you salvation. But there's a chance that he doesn't accept those good works, and then you're, where are you going to go? I'm guessing the hell that Muslims believe in. So that totally differs from, from what we believe in, right, as Christians? We believe that it isn't the good works that saves us. It's, it's Jesus that saves us. So that made me think about how God created all humans in his likeness. And it, it truly does, it, I believe it, it inherently gives us this desire to do good. Now some folks lose that over time because of experiences or, or whatever. But those good works don't save us, right? I was thinking about another conversation I had last, this last, last week with a young man. And he mentioned that he used to be, he used to be religious, but now he believes, um, starting to believe in karma. And he gave some examples of how he has done some good things, which is awesome, you know. And then was eventually rewarded for those acts. So my understanding is that karma it comes from the from Indian religion and philosophy. And the definition of karma is the universal causal law by which good or bad actions determine the future modes of an individual's existence. It's very scientific sounding. The universal causal law by which good or bad actions determine the future modes of an individual's existence. So Christianity does not, does not follow this belief. Christianity believes that the future, the future modes of an individual's existence depends on the decision to, to accept Jesus as your Savior, which then provides an eternal life that is guided through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will provide us promptings to do, to do good acts, and ultimately it's the good acts that are being used to bring God glory through either bringing more people into his kingdom or by God's people deflecting those praises of those good acts to him. So although these good acts do get rewarded, either in this life or even the next life, it's not because of karma. It's because the love of the Father who is faithful to those is... I'm sorry. It's because the love of the Father 
who is faithful to those, then he, in turn, is faithful to them. And we're told this in Psalms 18.25. It says, To the faithful you show yourself faithful. To those with integrity you show integrity. All right, so how does this all come back to Abraham in Genesis 22? All right, so we were talking about the Holy Spirit. We've talked about salvation. All those things are gifts from God. The Lord who provides, Jehovah Jireh. So in Genesis 22, faith was the, was the biggest player for Abraham and he had been prepared for that moment. He had a personal relationship with the Lord, and he had seen what the Lord was capable of. God called him by name. God said, Abraham. Abraham says, here I am. And he, and he answered him out of faith, love, and obedience. So what do you do when God calls you by name? What do you do when he leads you to an opportunity to serve out of his love? Do you pass it by? Or do you give up what is special to you to make the best of the opportunity? Abraham never had a doubt what God was leading him to do. He was determined that God would provide a way for him to have his son sacrificed or not. This was evident in Genesis 22.5. When they were heading uh, to the mountain, and Abraham sees the mountain in the distance, and he tells the servants to stop here. We're going. Me and my son are going to go, but we will be back. He said, "We will be back," knowing that he was going to go sacrifice his son. But he had faith in God that he was going to that that he he was going to provide. He was going to provide a way for him to keep his son. So, Abraham was, was committed to staying obedient to God's command. He was, he was obedient through the knowledge of, of his faith and through the love that he had for God. And he knew that God would make it okay. And we're reassured of this through Romans 8.28. It says, And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good. And a lot of people will stop there. But there's such an important finish to that. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. So it's a two-way street. God watched Abraham as he was committed to do as God instructed him. And up until the point of actually following through with the sacrifice of his son, that's when God rewarded him. He rewarded him with a, a sacrificial lamb in the form of a ram that was stuck in a thicket. So what can we learn from all of this? So as weak humans, and at times weak Christians, there are times we just don't follow through with what God is commanding us to do. 
we don't follow through with the promptings of the Holy Spirit, who God has provided us to bring him glory and to further his kingdom. As I reread this, I, I thought, weak Christians, that does not belong together, does it? There should be no such thing as weak Christians. Because as Christians, we are strengthened through God. We are strengthened through his love and his mercy. And we are given those, these opportunities to follow God's commands. Jesus provided us with this command in Matthew 28, 19 through 20. He says, Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So Abraham, he was not a, fo a weak follower of God. And because of this, in verse 15 of Genesis 22, the Lord declared, he, the Lord declared, I love, I love when it says that. He made a declaration. He said, because you have done this thing and have not withheld your son, I will indeed bless you and make your offspring as numerous as the stars of the sky and the sand on the seashore. Your offspring, man. Your offspring will possess the city gates of their enemies, and all the nations of the earth will be blessed by your offspring because you have obeyed my command. As Christians, we are Abraham's offspring. We are a blessed people, and we have a part in spreading those blessings. So I'm going to tell you a story. And as I'm telling you the story, if the worship band would come up. So, <clears throat> a couple weeks, uh, it's been within the last couple weeks, my sister Stacy, she was a part of a, what's called the Big Search KC. Has anybody heard of that? Um. So the Big Search KC is a uh, it's an initiative to um, it's an initiative through an organization called uh, Veronica's Voice, and what it is 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 it's a it's a way for the the church community members um, and police departments and the FBI to partner together to help find missing children. And so my sister got involved with this, and um, she, received a, she received training to take part of this day, where I don't know how many volunteers came in, but they would canvas the area. They were given information of, of missing children and where they could be. Then they were given the areas to, to canvas, just to go around handing out you know, pictures and information, just looking for these missing children. And so the, the day came, and my sister was getting ready that morning, and uh, she was telling me the story, and she's like, I just started having these doubts, like I didn't, want to, didn't really want to go. And I was like, well, what, you know, what were some of those doubts? 
And she said um, some, of the, some of the doubts were that, um, mainly out of fear. You know, that she, didn't, that she wouldn't know anyone. Um, that even if she didn't show up, no one would notice. And she was just had, had some fear of uh, maybe putting herself in an unsafe situation while she was out canvassing. But she recognized that those were thoughts of, and, and, and lies of the enemy trying to keep her from falling through with what God was leading her to do through the prompting of the Holy Spirit, which she recognized, which was awesome. And she said, no, I'm, I'm going to do this. I'm going to go. So <clears throat> she decided to go. And without being able to really give any details, she had a hand in providing much-needed information in finding a teenager that was being exploited in ways in ways that a human never should be. So after the day was over, Stacy felt that it was the Holy Spirit prompting her to take part in that, in that day. So if she would have decided not to follow through with that, then who knows what would have happened to that girl. So just as God commanded Abraham to take his son and sacrifice him as a, as a burnt offering, Abraham was faithful in his actions, and God provided a ram instead. Stacy was commanded to take her time and efforts to sacrifice her time and potentially her well-being, and God provided an opportunity for her to find a missing child. So don't miss out on opportunities to bless others. It all starts with accepting Jesus as your Savior by loving Him and obeying Him. And it's through these actions that you'll be given the Holy Spirit who takes the focus off of ourselves and he puts the focus onto God and into others. And this comes through who we've learned about, Jehovah Jireh, which means the Lord will provide. All right, so let's see what this thing looks like. Oh, it is red. Look at that. It's kind of hard to see. You guys can come up and take a look at it later on. There's kind of a red tint to it. So, let's be more like this celery. I'm not a celery fan. But in terms of this celery, this one particular celery, let's be more like this celery. Let's spend our time in the Word, allowing Jesus' blood to wash over us allowing his living water to be soaked up into our lives so that we can be this picture of this celery producing this fruit, this fruit that can only come through the Holy Spirit. That's how the Lord provides. So, I'm going to ask you guys to pray with me. So, Father, just thank you for your word. Thank you for the, your, the stories and, and uh, the truth that you teach us through your word. 
Father, I just pray that, um, that we can take this, just this knowledge of the Holy Spirit that you've given us, that you've provided us, and that we can just take it and put it to work. Like, we know that you don't give us the Holy Spirit just to keep to ourselves, that you give us gifts, you give us a calling to make a difference in others' lives. And that's how you provide. And we thank you for that, Lord. So, Lord, I pray blessings over, over these folks here. I pray blessings over the, the folks who may listen to this on, on the, on the uh, SoundCloud. And I pray that you're able to speak through us, to share your love, and ultimately your message, that is the gospel, with others that may not know it, that may be confused by it, that may have known it but have fallen away from it. And so help us just to to recognize when it is that you desire us to speak truth, which I hope is all the time. And so, Father, I just thank you. Thank you for this this place that you give us. And uh, thank you for celery, for giving us good examples. pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for choosing this podcast from the Calling Community Church. We hope it leaves you encouraged. If you need more information about the church or want to speak to someone about prayer or faith in Jesus, please visit our website, thecallingcommunitychurch.com, and fill out the contact form. We look forward to hearing from you and hope you have a blessed day.